to you though the on the fan page how Brianna said <laughs> they they got away from their pre-chatter departure or something went right into the theme song okay, or no, something but like I that. I need to get on Facebook. On the- just to be able to be part of our fan page because yeah. it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And I don't have Facebook. I have not I seen the to... fan page. <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been is... MIA for like... Listen though, there's 10 members. There are 10 whole members. Oh my they word. They all have we a little thing that says founding member. And with you, it would be 11. <laughs> and with me, it would be 12. And I wow. love the number 11. So let's do this. <laughs> you should share this <laughs> this page because... We I haven't seen definitely it. will. Um, we, we could add tell. You to it for sure. Welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. We are three friends who love to laugh and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. You see how we all get kind of awkward kind of as quiet. soon as the mics yeah. go on. <laughs> We're talking just fine, and then see, I'm trying to go right into like radio voice. Hello, guys. I bring to you Cassie Bailey. Now, what's next about me? <laughs> Enough about me. What do you think yeah, about what, me? What do you guys think? Oh, yes. Let's flip this. What do you guys? What was your first impression? <laughs> you know she how should sometimes interview us today. I know. I should. You I know how sometimes. That. Sometimes we're keep um, forgetting that we're, we're actually recording. Yes, you know how sometimes in a interview, like on some podcasts, it'll be okay. The inter- sometimes the person interviewing, the person getting interviewed is also like a podcaster. So all of a sudden they'll switch, and the the person getting interviewed will start asking questions, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh my goodness, I'm now I'm interviewing you." Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love when that happens. That's I feel totally like gonna happen today. <laughs> I feel like that could happen with Cassie for sure. It's but possible. so, all right, Cassie. Yes. Thanks for coming today, being here with us, with me and Wendy in August. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> will you tell us a little bit about you? I sure will. <laughs> Good. We like your radio voice. <sighs> I'm trying to stay nice and calm because I have a very loud voice. <laughs> I do too. It's okay. Okay. Uh, a little bit about me. I am 27 years young. I have four beautiful babies. Um, they are ages two, four, six, and eight. I planned that. That was not an accident. <laughs> we wanted them that close. Um, yeah, I'm pretty passionate about a whole lot of things, especially life. Life is just, I love life. I love being alive. And um, I was homeschooled. I graduated early. I was 16 years old. And that's when I met the love of my life at college. We went to um, a thing called BASIC, Brothers and Sisters in Christ. And um, it was my first time there. And Josh had been to, my husband's name is Josh. Should probably tell you guys that. Because not everybody knows. Um, he, it was his first time back in a while, and it was my first time there. And I'm a really outgoing, outspoken person. And when he saw me just talking to everyone, he didn't realize it was my first time ever meeting anybody there. And he kept asking everyone, like, who's that girl? And they're like, I don't know. This is her first time there. We don't know who she is. Like, but I walk into a room and like everyone's my best friend because I just love people. And I have this saying that I always say is that I don't I don't know any strangers because I don't like there's nobody's really a stranger to me unless you're like there to harm me. Then maybe you're a stranger. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> in other cases, everybody's just a friend, you know. So he introduced himself to me, which I forgot apparently, and we met again the next time. Um, I met a lot of people that night. Um, yeah, and then from there, we got married the day after I turned 18, and we had babies starting a year after that, and from there, it just, life kept going. Um, I pursued photography. I've been a photographer for 10 years now, as long as I've been married, so 10 years. Um, and I'm currently in school for, to be a natural health practitioner. That's fun. Not everybody knows that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing so many things. I live in an RV. What else should I share, guys? 
this part is hard. I could keep talking. <laughs> I love it. That sounds good, yeah. that sounds great. Let's talk a little more about the things that you mentioned. Like okay. um, how you're a photographer. Yes. So tell us about how did you decide to be that, to do that, to where did it start? I think it decided for me. Like <laughs> I, when I was, oh, how old was I? I had to been about eight. Um, I don't know if you guys remember those little disposable cameras and you take them to Walmart and they like, oh yeah, produce them for you and you get the 24 pictures back and it was awesome. Um, my grandmother got me one for Christmas one year and I took all the pictures that day and I was like, mom, mom, you know, get them off. Get them. And then when she gave them back to me, like I took pictures of all the family and like the animals and I just loved that. So every time we went to Walmart, can you get me a camera? Can you get me a camera? And then my first job, uh, babysitting, because that's every girl's first job. Um, <laughs> I saved up for my first digital camera, which it was just this little point and shoot. It didn't have like detachable lenses. It was literally like $200. And I thought that was like the best camera you could get at the time. I was 14, you know. Um, and so I got that and everywhere I went, I went to friend's house. And at that time, I mean, when you're 14, you're pretty sociable. You're at your friend's house all the time. You're doing all the fun bonfires and going out. And so I was taking pictures everywhere we went. And at the time, MySpace started getting pretty cool. So I was loading all the pictures and everybody counted on me to bring my camera. And then um, when I graduated at 16, I had to decide what I wanted to do. And I'm like... I think I'll take photography at school. And I took it and the, at the end of the class, the teacher pulled me aside. She's like, I need to tell you, like, I need you to continue to pursue this because the angles you get and the passion you can tell that you have for it, just everybody else was here to get credits. You know, it was an easy, basic class. It wasn't like advanced or anything. She just kind of taught us about fo Photoshop and like pictures to take with your camera. And um, she's like, but your projects always came out like you could tell that there was something. And I was like, oh, shoot, you're just saying that because you're a teacher and you're nice. Like, I didn't really think much of it. And then Josh and I met around the same time. And we were, I had a, another friend who had a camera you could take the lens off, which is called the DSLR. And she's like, hey, do you want to take some pictures for me? Um, she wanted some business pictures. So I took some pictures of her and I loved it. And I'm like, why don't I have a camera like this? Why do I just have my tiny dinky little point and shoot? So I ended up getting, um, starting a photography business with her. She liked pictures too. And from there it just exploded. I just couldn't stop. Like I research as much as I can. I like editing, all the magic happens in editing. Like I love people and I like to make people laugh on my own account, like, I don't care if you're laughing at me, I just want you laughing. <laughs> and so when I'm doing pictures, it's like, it's so fun because to get kids laugh, I'm tripping and I'm like being goofy or putting like a stuffed animal on my camera or doing something and it gets the whole family laughing. And I don't, there's just something that gives me joy about making other people laugh and then they get pictures from it and they love them. And there is just some sort of fulfillment in that, that I was also able to bring God into it. So the name of my business is All for God Photography. So it's AFG Photography. And when I was homeschooled, that was the name of my homeschool. Like my mom named our homeschool All for God Homeschool. And so being 16 when I started all that, like it just kind of carried over. I didn't want it to be Cassie Mallory at the time because I wasn't married. I knew I was going to. And I didn't want to get crazy creative to where people can't pronounce it or it's, I wanted an acronym. So I went with AFG. And it's, really cool that I did end up doing that because almost every photo shoot, people are always like, so what's AFG stand for? Because your name's definitely not, doesn't start with an A. And I get to tell them like, well, it's all for God. And I was homeschooled and Jesus is great and life is good. And like, I get to have that conversation with them. And a lot of times those um, sessions where I have that conversation, the family or the couple or whoever it is will open up about certain things like, yeah, it's been a really hard time. Like I've had a hard you know, year. Do you mind praying for me? And people are so open to prayer. Like they really are. You think there's this block, like obvious block that the enemy wants you to believe that people will reject your prayer and they'll reject your God and they'll reject you. But it's not that at all. Like once they hear your business is built on God, they're like, you have, you have access to that? Like, you have access to that power? Mm -hmm. I need help. Like, we met for a reason because my daughter's really ill. And like one of my most recent shoots, um, her daughter was going through 
oh, what was it? She was just going through some sort of chronic illness and she was really little to be going through this. And she's like, can you pray for her? And this session ended with me praying over their daughter. Like, mm -hmm. so it's not just, oh, I'm passionate about taking pictures and like, I'm passionate about people and know, and people knowing God. Like I really want them to know God and the way I do, because I know he's great no matter what. And then the other fun part is I'm very creative. Like I just have to be doing something creative at all times. And I think that stems from, because we're made in God's image, like God is the creator. So all of us are creators, like we're creative. Like he's given us all that. Like even people who say, I can't draw or I can't, I can't do anything creative. That's a lie. Like you are creative. You can be as creative as you like allow God to move in you doing. So that aspect of editing, I love to bring things to life. I add crazy things. I don't know if you guys have seen any of it, but I add just, I mean, I can do whatever kind of just flows with the, with that day. So, it's so fun. yeah, so that's how I got into photography. <laughs> so I love that um, God uses our passions. Like that's a perfect example of how God uses our passions to bring him glory, like through photography. And then you're praying for the family. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned along with all of when you were saying talking about yourself you mentioned that you live in an RV. I do. That's very interesting to me. Can you <laughs> tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, not this past summer, but the summer before, we went on a trip around New York state in a tent and with all four kids, the baby was maybe 6 months old all the way up to my 7-year-old and we tented around New York state because we felt like God was calling us to pray over the state. And so we just followed the border. Um, and there's a lot of really cool testimonies that came out of that. But tenting, you know, that's hard to do with four kids. But we loved it. The, and it was for two weeks, two whole weeks we did this. Every night we pe packed up, camped somewhere else. And when we got back, there was... Um, Crazy. I know. It was so much fun, though. We really loved, really loved it. Like, and I think a lot of the love for it came from we knew what we were doing it for. Yeah. There's so much power in intercession. Like, you don't have to be standing at a pulpit in church to make a huge difference in people's lives. Like, people don't even know the shifts that are happening when you're praying behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we were going to a mountain. We hiked a mountain with all four kids and prayed at the top of the mountain. And the, the feeling of the Holy Spirit there when we were praying, like, just letting out prayers and yelling over that mountain and letting God's glory fall over the state was just... Intense. Anyways, back on the subject. Um, <clears throat> when we came back, there was this uh, man that came to speak at our church. He was a prophet, and he had no idea about the trip. Not a whole lot of people knew other than our own friends on Facebook kind of thing. And he, you know, wasn't on our Facebook or anything like that. And he came to pray over us. And he's like, see you guys praying over the nation in an RV. And I see you going even further around, you know, in different countries. And we looked at each other and laughed hysterically. We were like, <laughs> we just did that around New York. Like, you're crazy. And we put it in the back burners of our mind. And we had always talked about being those hippie van couple. Like, before having kids, we're like, let's just live in a van and go travel everywhere. Like, Josh and I are so adventurous. We just like hiking mountains and camping under the stars kind of people. And then when we had kids, we're like, oh, I guess we'll have to do that when we retire. But then last winter, um, December time, so it's almost been a year, December time, um, actually just before that, my husband was offered a job in Arkansas. And he felt the pull, like we were both feeling the pull that we were going somewhere, but we weren't really sure where. And so when he got that call, he's like, is it supposed to be Arkansas? And he's, and we both prayed about it. And we're like, no, I don't think it's supposed to be Arkansas. And so when he, when we sat down and prayed and really thought about it one night, a lot of times I stay up in the middle of the night and pray because four kids, it's really hard to focus. You know, God can reach you anywhere, but sometimes middle of the night is when it happens. Um, and I was up in the middle of the night praying and just, it just kept coming to me that we were supposed to move. Like I felt an urgency that we were supposed to leave and do something. And like, I just kept on pressing on, kept on praying. And I felt like God led me to a verse in Isaiah. And I don't remember which one it is. It's in one of my notebooks. And I don't remember. I, would ha I should have brought that notebook too. Um, <laughs> and in the verse, it was talking about, um, 
praying and going up on the mountains and things like that. And so I just kept pressing in. I'm like, God, what are you saying? Where are we going? And I had a friend call me the very next day. She said, I keep praying for you and I keep seeing these states popping up. And I don't know why, but I felt like I was supposed to share that with you. And the very next day, another friend called. Totally, diff- they don't know each other or anything. Another friend called and she's like, I had a dream and got in, in the dream, someone yelled, this is for Cassie. And in the dream, there was a boat that was docked and there was a whale attached to the boat with a, a net over it. And a big boat came and took the net off. And, some, and then someone said, if, when the net comes off, the, that they're free. And she's like, I don't know what the net is. And in my head, I instantly thought, it's my house. I need to sell my house. Like, we got to leave. We're going somewhere. So then after these two prophecies and dreams and things like that, I I prayed again. I'm like, God, where are we going? And then it just, the thought of the RV came into my mind. And I started praying. I'm like, God, is this a selfish thought? Because that would be so much fun. I'm so adventurous. I would love this. But what about my kids? What about my life? What about my husband? What about everything here? Are we supposed to be here? And he's like, why are you asking for permission for something I'd already called you to do? So here I am saying, God, give me permission to do this. I know it's going to be so fun. He's like, oh, I put that desire there. Like, this was not Mm, you. This was not you begging to go do something selfishly. I put that desire there because I wanted you to go. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then I remembered awesome. the prophecy from last sum- the summer where the guy's like, you're going to be in an RV traveling around. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I still have that somewhere. I wrote that one down too. And from there, we ended up, we put our house up on the market. We just recently sold it. We've got our RV. We flipped it. It's like, so it's a dream. Our house was a fixer upper and we never got to do all the things we wanted to in it. And I just did all the things I wanted to do in the house, in the RV. And it's, it's wonderful. The kids are loving it. They think life's just a big old vacation. <laughs> and it really right. is. That's how life should be. It shouldn't be stress. And like, and in the, the house was 3,000 square feet. And like the kids were, I don't know. I just really wanted to be closer to them. I already homeschool, so that wasn't an issue. And I know people have so many questions about the RV life. Like, how do you get packages? Actually, that's a funny question. <laughs> like, we can get packages. We can have we have a home base where our mail goes, and a company sorts through it, and we can decide if we want it sent to us. And a lot of uh, campgrounds will let you have things forwarded to them, and you can get them right there, like things like that. We get that question a lot, so I figured I'd cover that now. <laughs> um, and then homeschooling, I report to Texas, which Texas just wants you to make sure you teach them, and that's it. That's nothing like New York State, which is glorious. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and we're absolutely loving it. Um, what license plate does your RV have? Right now, the RV has New York license plate, okay. but we will be in Texas next month, and that's when we're going to switch everything over. We're going to register everything there, get our license in Texas and everything like that. Yeah. Do you know where you're going? Where are you going in Texas? We are going oh. to be in Houston for a little while, and then I want to go see Big Ben, Big Bend. Not the clock, Big Ben. Uh, you're I'm like, I think to, uh, that's another yeah, no. for that one. <laughs> Big Bend. It's this beautiful, like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen pictures of it. I've never been to it in person, but it's almost like the Grand Canyon. But it's just, you can walk into the crevices. There's, like, you can take a boat through. It's just so pretty. I cannot wait to get some pictures there. <laughs> I'm really excited about the photography that's going to happen with us too. And I think that will also, photography is kind of like my little gateway into, it, people come to me for it. So then I'm able to connect with people. So no matter where I go, if I'm advertising for business, then I'm always able, I'm always connecting no matter what. I mean, I, I'll talk to people no matter where I go, but that way there's still a community coming, coming in. That's so, great. Yeah. Can we go back to what you, when you were telling, well, actually every story that you've told, I, I feel like your relationship with the Lord is so real. Like you can just hear it. It's obviously so real. And I don't, I don't think everyone can feel or hear God the way that it sounds like you do. How did you learn that? (sighs) That's a loaded question, Delight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'll go all the way back. Uh, I did not grow up in a, I mean, my whole, we didn't go to church. We didn't really, we weren't a Christian home to begin with. Um, 
but I would hear bits and pieces about God, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember I used to, this is going to sound crazy, I promise. <laughs> um, I would lay in bed and I could hear someone talking to me. And when I would tell my mom that, you know, my mom was amazing at making sure my imagination was always fully alive. She's like, you, yes, you can't. Like anything I told her, like at one point I told her that I thought I was part cat. And she's like, yep, you are. You know, like you want to be that, you be that. Like she was really great at always making sure that I was believed, you know? So mm. when I would like... I knew God was talking to me. Like I could hear him. And even to the point I was such a, like so innocent. It was, this was like third grade time. And I was like, God, will you tell um, Anthony that I have a crush on him? Because I thought everyone heard from him the way I heard from him. Mm. And like, I just had open dialogue. It was always open dialogue. Like I did something bad when I was in third grade. I was not supposed to watch a certain thing. And I did. And I sat and I laid in bed repenting in third grade crying. I'm like, God, I did something. I should not have done it. I don't know what to do. And he said, you need to tell your parents. And I got up, I walked out and I told them, so I, they saw the tear. I was sobbing. I told them, I said, I watched this movie and I know I wasn't supposed to. And they talked to me about it. And I instantly didn't feel that guilt anymore. And like, that's the relationship that has been open. I mean, even when I went through some really dark times when I was 13, I remember just crying out and I'm like, do you still hear me? Like, I'm so sorry. I've turned from you and like, I'm not who you wanted me to be. And I've been hiding from you. And I remember crying and saying, am I going to go to hell for this? Because I accepted God into my life when I was really little, when I would talk to him at night. You know, my aunt actually would bring me to church sometimes. And at the church, they're like, you can accept God. You have to accept God in your heart to go to heaven. I'm like, but I talk to God. I don't need to do that. And then she explained it to me. She's like, no, you really have, you have to receive him into your heart. So I went home into my closet and I did that. And I was like eight, nine, you know, I was really young. And then when I was 13, I just, I fell away from God. I didn't really, you know, pursue him the way I was pursuing him. You know, you go through a lot of things and I was just going through craziness. I had I was a horrible teenager to my parents. <laughs> um, but, and I remember one night I was just crying out. I'm like, God, am I going to hell? Like, I haven't pursued you at all. Like, I know your name and I know I've done things that you would not agree with. And like, even then, I wasn't going to church. My family wasn't going to church. I didn't know anybody going to church at the time. Like, you know, and he still talked to me. Mm. And I could still hear him saying, I love you. Why are you... No, like I love you so much and I want better for you. It's not that I think that these things, like I don't want you to have fun. I want so much more for you. And at that time, um, my parents found a church in Syracuse and we ended up um, all driving to it. It was an hour away from our house every Sunday. And I was really rebellious at the time. Like when we first started going, I'm like, these churchgoers, they don't understand. You know, like you're a teenager, you're really rebellious. Like I went through a crazy summer. And then one day at the altar, like they did an altar call and God was just showing me, he's like, your past summer is going to be used in your testimony and how you speak with young women and young teen girls, and you're gonna walk in that and you're gonna be able to lead them, you know, to me through that. And it wasn't a lifetime of struggle. It wasn't a lifetime of rebellion, but it was enough. I'm a very sensitive person. I feel things to the extreme. So if I go through something for six months, like it's extreme. Like <laughs> I can tell you like so much about that. And so I'm able to connect in those aspects. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, and I remember, sorry, I'm stuttering. Um, I'm going way off of what you asked me. <laughs> it's fine. When I realized that not everybody heard from God like that, um, it's funny you asked that because I, I got asked that question when we went to pick up the RV. When we went to get the RV, um, the woman that was there, she, said, she asked my kids' names. And my oldest, God gave me a dream on what to name her. So I told her, I said, I had a dream what to name her. And then she's like, well, how did you get that? How did you get her name? You said you had a dream. And I, I got to share with her about God. And she's like, what do you mean you hear about hear from God? And the, this woman had an accent. She was from somewhere. And she's like, what do you mean you hear from God? How do you hear from God? And it, it just puts into perspective that, that closeness to be able to hear from him is a gift. It's not something to take for granted. And sometimes I have where I'm just like, I'm busy. 
Like, I'm not listening. And I know you feel the pull. You know when God's trying to talk to you about something. And I'm like, and sometimes the urge gets just so strong where it's like, I drop everything. I'm like, I just, I have to hear what God is saying right now. And that happened with the whole RV thing. I'm like, I need to know what you want for me, for our lives, like, so that we can give you the glory, you know? And it's just, I feel like it's an intimacy with the Holy Spirit that does that. And I, I had a dream actually after the New York trip that I was standing in the park in the Memorial Park because we did a worship event because my husband's a worship leader. Shared that earlier. Um, we did a worship event in the Memorial Park and um, called Sound of Awakening. And the very next night I had a dream that I was standing in the park. There's a woman standing in front of me with black hair and blue streaks. And she said, do your dreams frighten you, my dear? And I'm playing with her hair. And I said, no, they excite me. And I turn around and the park was full of women. And right now I'm currently working on a book that I've been working on for a very long time. Um, <laughs> and, and all these women were standing there and I turned back around to her and she got in my face and said, write the book. And I woke up and I said, God, what was that? And he said, that woman was a representation of the Holy Spirit. And you're playing with her hair because it's an intimate relationship. Mm. Like, you don't just, I don't walk up to any person and play with their hair, you know? You have to have a real connection with somebody to be like, you know, just stroking their hair, putting it behind their ears. Like there was a connection there. And it was basically instruction from God saying, listen, I need you to do this. You're not listening. I'm coming to you in your dreams now because I can hear from God that I don't like always dream, you know? And even, even as a teen, when I would go to church once we found a church and everything I'm like god why don't you ever have somebody prophesy over me you know mm. and he's like but you hear from me like you don't understand not everybody has that like you when i'm instructing you and guiding you you hear that there are so many who don't that are lost and they can't hear from me and they're broken and they need to hear something some sort of encouragement and when you're in that dark place you come to me and you hear like and i i talk to you. So that kind of was encouraging to me too, because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you sit in church and all these prophets come and they go and they come and they go and you never get a word. And I've always wondered that like, God, how come some people get words and some people don't? And he's like, because sometimes at that time they're going through something where they're not going to receive it. And other times, because that's not for you, that's not how I'm going to speak to you mm -hmm. because you can hear, you know, so use that. And if, you, if you're not hearing, just go spend some time in your closet, on your hands and knees. I don't care how long it takes, you know? And just listen, just listen. And he will show you something. Like, you just have to be open and willing. And Yeah, I was going to ask to go a little deeper into that. Like, if someone's saying, I do want that. I want to have what you're saying you have. Do you feel like that can be something, do you feel you can learn to yeah. hear God's voice? Oh, and yeah. like, like you just said a little bit, but tell not everyone is as like, there's people that are, I like to think about left brain and right brain, mm -hmm. you know, like, and you obviously are very right brain, but there's very left brain people that are, logics. it's a lot harder yeah. to do that. Like, do you have any practical? Yeah. How um, do you do it practically? First of all, something funny is I am also a very logical kind of person. Mm -hmm. So peeling back that layer can be difficult. Sometimes I get my own way. And that comes in with the blocks where it's like, God, where are you? I don't hear you. He's like, I'm here. Like, you just got to get over yourself. Um, but anyways, to learn that, I think the reason it's been easy for me is because my mom has always been so open with my ideas like she's always allowed me to be open and a lot of people are shut down a lot so it's harder to be open to what God is saying because you'll instantly put a reason to it oh that wasn't a or that wasn't God that was a coincidence or mm -hmm. that thought wasn't God that was my own thoughts so you shut it down quickly because you've been taught to shut it down like your emotions are suppressed or you you just been taught like Holy Spirit works through emotions works through feelings thoughts things like that like there's so many different ways God can speak to you. And a lot of those ways the enemy wants shut down. So in upbringing, you know, what's the one thing? Okay, you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to think for yourself. You're not like you're, you're shut down a lot. And so that's why I think it was easier for me. So you have to retrain yourself to be open to whatever God's going to use to speak to you. So I think one of the very basic and best things you can do is be faithful to God. 
So you can't just say, God, I want to hear from you one night and then not ever touch base with that again. Like for me, a schedule is really important. So if if I feel like God is calling for me at one in the morning, like a lot of times I'll wake up and God will say it's watch time. I don't, I never knew what that meant at the time. And I would be, basically be like a watchman, you know, like it's watch time, get up at one. And he would just start downloading people into my mind to pray for. And then I would hear from them that week of things going on in their lives. I'm like, oh, God got you covered. I promise. Like I was on it, like, you know, and that kind of thing. So I feel like, um, whenever you feel like you can have time. So if it's, late at night, the kids go to bed and you need to stay up an extra hour. God will bless that hour like never before. Mm -hmm. You have to get up at 5 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. Like he will seriously, there are nights that I was on watch all night long. Like I was just in prayer, like soaking and just, I had worship music on. I like to flag, so I'll get flags out and just wave my flags and worship and pray in tongues and and just let it all go and pray my face on the floor or dancing around. It doesn't matter. Like whatever I feel like God is doing in the spirit, like what he wants, you know, and all night long. But the very next day I have more energy than I've ever had having a full night of sleep. And I don't look tired. I don't feel tired. And even I, I feel like it's, it's fun. It's really fun. And you got to look at it like that too. It's not a chore. I like to be scheduled with it. I feel like it shows God my faithfulness. So I like late nights with God because I feel like it sets up my day the next day. I talk to him all the time. I mean, on my way here, I was talking to him like, hey, God, what do you want me to talk about today? Like, let's, like it's an open, it's a friendship. He's not my boss, you know? He's not somebody I'm afraid of. I mean, I have a fear of the Lord because I don't want to go outside of what he has for me. But I don't have a fear like, oh, I better not. He, I hope he doesn't see I did this because he sees it all. He knows the bitterness I was feeling the other day towards somebody. He knows. And like... And if I don't bring it to him, then I know what I'm doing. I'm creating that wall. So I'm rebuilding. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm putting the, the earplugs in because every time I do something that's against his will for my life, I'm just shutting him out instead of telling him because he already knows. So me going to him and saying, hey, God, like, help me with this. I'm really bitter about this situation. It really hurt. And I'm trying to handle it myself by, like, blocking them out of my life when I know that's not what you want me to do. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to talk to you again. Like, thank you for bringing that to me. So he's my friend. Like, he's my father. He's my friend. He's everything to me, you know? And I feel like the faithfulness in showing him you're serious. You really want to hear because that's a big thing. Like when you can hear from God, it's also something some people might be afraid of because God might tell you to pray for somebody at Walmart and you gotta, because mm -hmm. if you don't, you just let God down, you know, that's a big thing. Like don't, and, and that, I think there's a lie that people believe that if, oh, if I don't do it, someone else will, that, that takes it off of, you know, off of the, the purpose and calling on our own lives and says, oh, well, somebody else will do it. I'm, I'm too introverted. God knows I'm introverted. He wouldn't make me do that. Like he wouldn't ask me to do anything like that. But that's not true at all. You can be introverted. You can be quiet and he can still use you in people's lives. Like the whole point is that we're vessels, that we show God how great he is, how alive he is, how amazing he is, no matter what's going on in life. And, and still be you. Like he's not asking you to be, he's not asking an introvert to be super loud. And he's not asking an extrovert to be super quiet. He wants to use exactly who you are to reach people that are needing him and are broken, you know? And when I first became Christian, I thought, I read that verse about being meek and women not, you know, but I'm very outgoing. And I read that and I'm like, why can't I be quiet? Why, why did you make me like this, God? Or what made me like this? Like, I asked him that a lot. And because there was somebody I really, like, idolized. I mean, she was, okay, I shouldn't say idolized, but at the time, I think I did. But <laughs> um, she was a role model to me. And she was very, very put together, always in really beautiful long skirts, very quiet, um, just an introvert, but at the same time did her own thing to tell people about Jesus. And I'm like, so I would talk a little quieter. And I'd be like, and I would keep my voice down. And I was trying really hard to be this person that I thought every Christian woman was supposed to be. And then God's like, what are you doing? Like, where are you? I didn't call you there. Like, 
Come on, like, you walked by that person and didn't say anything, and I know you felt what I was telling you to do. Like, you know, and I think a big thing also for me, um, being able to hear him, is not only just going to him saying, I want, 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 like, God, give me this and give me that. I'm going to him and saying, What's my assignment today? And I do that every morning. I wake up and I say, God, what's my assignment today? So then my spiritual eyes are open. And anywhere I go, if I walk in the store, he will point things out to me. He will say, that person's hurting. And I go up to them and I'll say, are you okay? Do you need help? And they'll say, oh, my back is really hurt. Like you'll, you can notice, you see, like people have it written on their face or on their bodies. And I'm like, well, can I pray for you really quick? I have only been rejected once. <laughs> so far. <laughs> and they just didn't want it. And I said, that's okay. Can I get your name? And do you mind if I pray later? And they're like, oh, I don't mind at all. And they tell me their name. Like people are really open to that kind of stuff. And if they're not, yeah. oh, well, at least you asked, you know, right. yeah. at least you did something towards your purpose. And yeah. I feel like that also shows your faithfulness to God, that you're not just in it to get the perks of God. You know, you're in, it's for God. Everything's for the glory of him. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot in our obedience. Yes. And I was thinking about when you were saying that people say, if, if I don't do it, somebody else will. And one time, one time I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, sort of that, like said, I don't need you. Like, yeah. I'm going to accomplish my purpose, but you're not going to benefit if you don't yes. do what I'm asking. You know, like he was kind of like, don't think it's all about you. Yeah. It's not. But I have something for you in this obedience. Yeah. And I think when we are walking in obedience, when we take that step, we're benefiting. It's not yeah. just the other person, mm-hmm. you know? And I've learned so much just by praying for people or just being there for people. Like it's not, I'm not, oh, I know Jesus. I need to be the one to help you. It tur- It always turns around to humbling me and showing me things like, and creating these relationships with people and this community of people that are now prayer warriors that you can get a hold of. And like you can go for, you're there for each other. And I just think there is so much to learn about that. And God really wants that for us too. You know, He wants us to be able to continue to grow in Him. And if we don't ever step out and if we don't ever start walking in our purpose, then there will never be growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is life ever hard? Like, it kind of can seem like, well, there we go. Cassie has it. She just hears from the <laughs> Lord, and I'm probably nothing ever goes wrong <sighs> for her. <clears throat> yes, life is hard. <laughs> life is really hard, but that's okay. Life is good. Um, yeah, so I think the hardest thing I have ever been through, and I've been through a lot of hard things, and they're different difficulties, and you get through them, and... Um, I've been through a lot of different hard things, but the most recent, um, last February. So I mentioned that we announced that we were moving. Did I mention that? I did not. Okay, so I meant I posted a big announcement. Hey, we're we're selling the house, moving into an RV on February first of last this last February. So it was this year still. Um, and then on February twelfth, I noticed my son had been acting really strange for the past few weeks. Uh, he was constantly thirsty, constantly, um, going to the bathroom nonstop, looking really just tired. And he ended up, he was losing weight. And I was just like, something's not right. And I put him to bed and that the, that day, February 12th, he laid at the bottom of the stairs and said, daddy, please carry me to bed. And I, he carried him to bed and I sat there and I was like, God, what, what is going on with him? And a friend, I talked to a friend of mine that night, and it's a friend that I don't talk to all the time. And I kind of told her, I'm like, hey, some stuff's going on with Josiah. And she's like, get him to the hospital. Her husband had, has type 1 diabetes. And I was like, okay. And so Josh took him to the hospital. And I'm like, babe, just mention type 1. I think that that, that might be it. I never Googled his symptoms. You never won't want to, you know? <laughs> I didn't want to know what was going to come up. And when I even said, mention type 1 diabetes, in my head, I'm like, not my kid. Like, that's not going to be it, but just have them check just in case. So as soon as he got in, they checked, and he was his uh, blood glucose levels were almost 500. Or were they over? They might have been over 500. And they said... And in, what's normal? Normal is between 80 and 120. Okay. And so, um, and that was the middle of the night, and they said in the daytime it would be even higher after a meal or something. So he was pretty, he was pretty sick. And... 
Okay, what is the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? Type 2 di diabetes um, is mostly health-based. It, okay. it can be a sign of onset of type 1. It can be your pancreas is already failing, but type 2 is um, has to do with you can heal it. You know, There's a lot of people who manage it with diet and exercise and things like that. Type 1 is an autoimmune disease. So his body literally saw his pancreas and said, you're bad, and killed it. So he wasn't making any insulin when he got in. They said, um, he, they said, I don't think you understand how ill he was, that there was a good chance he wasn't waking up the next morning. So the fact that I knew that night to take him in, I mean, it was crazy. Scary. I, when Josh called me to say, yeah, he has type 1, I actually, like, I don't know if I was in shock or what, but I, I like, sat back laughed a little and I'm like no he doesn't like that was my instant reaction I, I like was like no he doesn't like it was like a really in denial moment and we don't want to accept that kind of stuff you know we I live under God's perfect everything and at the time I thought I had it all figured out life was figured out you know, we were moving in our RV. We're going to pray over the nation. We're going to intercede around the nation. We're going to just worship around the nation. This is life. You know, life is good. And then this. And I'm like, God, why didn't you tell me? And that was my first question. I talked to him and I said, why didn't you tell me, God? You talk to me so clearly where I've told other people when stuff like this is going to happen. Why didn't you tell me? And he said, there was no amount of preparation that was going to prepare me. But... And then I said, well, why, why, why didn't you heal him? Why didn't you save him? Like, and he said, I did. He's alive. And I'm like, well, where's his healing? That insulin is healing him. Like these questions you ask, you're like, why isn't he healed? He is healed. Every time you give him insulin, that is a tool of healing. Mm -hmm. And I was so lost. It was like two months I was lost. I mean, you have to learn how to inject insulin into your baby boy. He was only five into your baby boy three, four, five times a day. He screams and runs for me every time I had to do it. Even now there's moments where he does that and I'm like, how am I supposed to inflict pain on my son on purpose when he didn't do anything wrong? Like this kid, he came home and you know what he said to me? He said, so like this experience, God was using him too. I strongly believe he has a healing ministry because he walks up to people and says, I need to pray for you. Does it out of nowhere, strangers, he will do it. And one day he said, There's an, I saw an angel that said Josiah. And the funny thing is when I was praying for him when he was in the hospital, I saw an angel at his bed, like at, at the foot of his bed. And then I saw a ton of other angels coming in and out of the room. And mm -hmm. God said, that's how many people are interceding for that little boy right now. He said, he is not alone. You are not alone, as alone as you feel. Because when we go through these things, you mm -hmm. feel alone. Yeah. I don't care how many people have type 1 diabetes. In that moment, you are as alone as it gets. But in that moment, feeling that alone put me in a corner with God that I've never been in. And I got to see a side of my daddy, God, that I never saw. Mm -hmm. Because in my whole life, he was my friend. You know, like, it was a hard, it was hard for me to envision him as a father. But in that moment, the way he held me when I was that alone and just told me it would be okay and guided me through that. He, you know, he was my father and I needed that time, you know, and we go through these things and we don't know why. I didn't know why my five-year-old little boy had this autoimmune disease that almost killed him and that if every single day, if I give him the wrong dose, I could possibly kill him and, or if he doesn't get enough, it could possibly kill him. Like all these things. I'm like, why is there death surrounding this? Why is there so much death? And I was like, is it because we said we're going to pray around the nation? And even in that moment, my head, in your own natural mind, I'm like, fine, we won't then. Like, God, if you don't heal him, you start to get desperate and you start to give ultimatums. And I was like, if you don't heal him, then I'm not praying for this nation for you. Like, how could you do this? Mm -hmm. This little boy prays to you and loves you. And I pray to you. Like, why did you just allow this? And he just... Open, it opens up that whole dialogue with him that says brokenness happens, sickness happens. It, it does. No matter what, we live in a fallen world. Like no matter what, we can't avoid these situations. Scripture does not say life is going to be easy. There are so many that are actually the opposite. Life is going to be hard, mm -hmm. especially following Christ. But 
the most amazing thing in all of it is that no matter what you face, miscarriage, um, disease, sickness, death, anything you face, it's the hardest thing in the world to have to go through, but you're not alone. Like mm -hmm. You have Jesus right there with you. And even more so, every prayer that goes out, there are angels coming in and out. And there are different ways God's going to bless you. And there are different ways that healing can come. So it feels like in the moment that there is no healing. He's not healed. He's not healed. But he showed me, yes, he is. There is a tool. Whereas 50 years ago, that tool, not many people lived after that. Like you get that diagnosis and you're gone in about a year. Like there is healing. Healing is happening. Mm -hmm. And out of that, and I strongly believe, like he came home from the hospital and he said, Mom, Jesus told me that I won't have this when I'm a grown-up. And I never, I I'm like to do what my mom does. I like to encourage their minds to be open. And, but at the same time, I didn't want him to be so... I'm healed. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't want him to get discouraged. I didn't want him to not follow God because he thought God was to holding something back from him, you know? Right. So I was trying to guide him the right way without taking anything away from him. And I said, if God told you that, then you believe that, you know? And so he, he to this day says when he's grown up, he will not have type 1 diabetes. And I strongly believe that. Whether that be a cure that is created, which right now in Israel... It's really cool that it's Israel. Um, they have successfully done a pancreas um, transplant on animals and healed type 1 diabetes. And they said within the next two years, they think it'll be available. Wow. They're going under trial. So really cool. whether that be the way he's healed or he gets a miraculous healing, which happens. It still happens. God is still alive. He is still working. He is still healing. And if that happens... That's great as well. No matter how the healing comes, it doesn't have to be an instant type of healing. And I had to really come to know that too. Mm -hmm. And just, I really had a lot of face-to-face -face time with God. And it, did, it looked messy. It wasn't, oh God, I know you'll take care of this. It was not that. Right. It was a lot of, I'm mad, God. I am angry. And I think that's really a key in all of it too, is... I was mad at God, but I told God that. And he knew it. I mean, I wasn't going to turn away from him. I'm like, you're not getting away, away with this. <laughs> you know, like that was my mind. I'm like, no, you're going to know how angry I am. And I let it all out to him, though. Like, I didn't go running around. And when people would ask, well, because there were people that don't know God the way we do. Well, what about your God? What, where was he? I said, you know where he was? He made sure my son got to the hospital and got the care he needed. He didn't die, you know, and some people can't say that. And even then God is still there. You know, there is still a purpose. There is still a plan. There is so much we don't understand that's happening in the spirit realm that is there's so much against and there's so much for us. And that's why it's so important to always be in prayer. And leading up to then, it seemed like that was the most that I was in that watch hour. I felt like God was telling me something. I had a dream that there was a horrible car accident and I thought it was me that got hurt in the car accident that fall. And I took family pictures with the kids. Like I was really like, I need to, I'm on guard about some, something was up. And so that was God kind of warning me like, hey, something's up. You need to cherish this time you have right now. And I knew that that was an important season. And that was that fall. And then that winter came and that's when all of that happened and I was just like okay we're gonna have to learn this we're gonna this is everybody keeps calling it your new normal I hate that I hate that with a passion this is not normal and I'm not I'm never gonna call it my new normal this is life life's never normal right if you have a normal life then I don't know where you're living because <laughs> like this is my life yes and then you get the comments like I don't know how you do it oh I'm supposed to let them die? <laughs> Fine, I won't give them the insulin. I could never do what you do. Yes, you could. Yeah. Right, you yeah. could. And that's the thing I also learned is the strength we have in God. Like I needed his strength. Like there was, it took a long time to just stop crying. I was just, oh, I felt like I was mourning. Like my son cannot eat certain things now. And I'm constantly having to get up in the middle of the night in case he's too low or like the, it's very dangerous thing to live with. It's a very serious thing to live with. Like after diagnosis, it doesn't just magically get better. And a lot of people don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about the type one stuff. 
Like, no, I had no idea. I thought you could only get diabetes if you ate too much crap. Like, I did not know. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't. And you don't know the dangers of it. Like, there, his second night home, a friend of ours gave us a thing called Dexcom. It goes right on his arm and it tells us his levels. And the insurance weren't going to cover it for six months. But a friend had an extra one that she gave to me. And it woke me up in the middle of the night. He was 40. So seizures can start happening under 40. And after that, if you don't catch it, death. And so if we didn't have that Dexcom, I'd already, you get up at three, check, and then you check again at breakfast is what the hospital told you, you know? So I checked him at three. This happened around 4.30. Had he kept going down because we had the numbers wrong because you're still figuring it out. It's Mm -hmm. always, it's constant figuring it out. Had we not figured it out, like had we not had that Dexcom on him, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't like to think about that. But it's just God uses these tools too. And you have to think of it like that too when there is hard times, when there is struggles, when life is just really free and crappy. When it is just not what you thought it would be. I had it all together. I had a plan. Like sure, I, I had my struggles leading up, but it was nothing I couldn't handle. Financial, I've got that. And one of my brother-in-laws actually pointed this out to me. He said, do you know why Satan went after your child? Because he knew if you got type 1 diabetes, you would handle it like a champ. If you were affected by anything, if you were hurt, if your, if your finances, if you lost something, you don't care about anything that has to do with you. But if you take something from one of your children, that might actually make you turn from God. And there was a time of silence where I didn't speak about any of it. I didn't talk to God. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to... I just sat there shocked at how could this happen? And after all of it and after talking to God and God was just like, I'm still here. I've been waiting because I didn't even get that urge like he wanted to speak to me. I think I needed that time to really, because I, I questioned, you know, you go through these things and you're going to question your faith. And I'm like, is God real? Is he a lot? Am I making this up? Like, are, is all this in my head? You know, that kind of, you have these questions when you go through such a dark, dark time and we got to be real about it. Like you want to pretend you're a Christian. That's so good that you would never question God ever, but we're all, I'm human and my, I almost lost my son. And I'm like, God, you're supposed to love him more than me. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't let this happen, you know? But if you look at the Bible, look at this. He said, my son died on a cross. Right. I lost my son. You know, I watched my son beat bad. And I watched him get hung on a cross. Mm-hmm. And he cried out to me and I couldn't do anything yet. Because if I did, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. That's how much he loves us. Right. And I almost lost my own son. And I felt a little bit, a tiny bit of the pain God felt when he saw his son so broken that he, his son cried out to him and said, God, have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Daddy, have you forsaken me? I need you right now. And I've cried that out so many times. Like I have this scripture written on my wrist. It's Psalm 61 too. It says, from the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I prayed that prayer so much. Like, that's a prayer to me. When Josiah was first diagnosed, I was like, God, this, lead me higher. I can't do this. Lead me higher. Like, I'm crying out to you. And I feel like I prayed the same prayer Jesus prayed on that cross. Have you forsaken me? Have you left me? Like... I'm doing what you wanted, right? Like, this isn't in my head. You want me to go pray over the nation, right? How am I supposed to do that with a son with type 1 diabetes? That makes it so much harder. It was so easy to just get in an RV. I already homeschool. I own my own business. My husband owns his own business. That was easy. Like, that whole decision was easy. But then I have this. I'm like, God, we can't live in an RV now. He has medical needs. He has, like, how's he supposed to climb a mountain? I didn't know anything about type 1 diabetes. How's he supposed to do these things? With me, he says. Mm. Mm-hmm. I will get you through it. And not to mention, how are you supposed to pray for a broken and hurting nation if you don't know what it feels like to be broken? 
And it's not that God caused the brokenness, but he's using that brokenness. So that when I come up to people who are like, you don't know anything about my life. You don't know how hard my life is and how broken I am. I can turn and say, yes, I do. I do. I know what it feels like to come to the end of the earth and cry out and say, I want to die. I don't want to be his mom because I don't want to have to hurt him. I don't think I can carry this. I can't carry the injecting him daily and pricking his fingers daily and possibly needing to rush him to the hospital. I can't carry that. And I'm not supposed to. Right. You know, and you, and I got to such a dark place where I'm like, if I'm on this earth doing that every day, I'd rather be dead. You know, and I felt that, that darkness. And so I have this on my wrist to always remind me every time I see it. And it's, a, it's written in a mountain. And every time I see it, I remember, I'm like, God, you brought me higher than this last struggle. You can bring me higher than this one. Yeah. And every time something comes up, you can bring me up and out of it. Because in my own strength, I am deep in the ground. Like, mm-hmm. in my mind, anytime I've taken anything on in my own strength, I've had to bury it in a grave. Because that's where I would be if I did not have God through all of this. It's so yeah. powerful. That's good. Woo, Thank you so much, Cassie, for sharing all of that. And it encourages me just hearing about how you hear from the Lord. And I feel like I am, I have been asking for him to speak to me. And I know that he is, but I'm just not spending enough time listening or just I'm too distracted. And so it's just encouraging for me to go home and I don't really have a closet to get in, but go in my room and just like listen a lot more than I have been. So it's good. Thank you. And what's funny about that is I did not have a closet space when I lived in a certain house and I wanted a war room. Like, have you guys seen the war room movie? Yes. I'm like, I want a war room, God. So I got a notebook and that was my war room. So I just picked a place in the house and like would write my prayers in that and that was like the bible or the notebook went with me yes i do have a bedroom that has a chair in it that i there you go sometimes go and sit in um and i can close the door (laughs) there you go and Ilian cannot get in he might come (laughs) and like bang on the door mommy (laughs) anyway so thank you we appreciate you sharing okay so let's talk about this like rv life a little bit more like that's very interesting to me so what is life gonna look like living in an rv like practically like you have four kids yep (laughs) so family of six living on the road in an rv can you like talk about that a little bit more i can so um we have a 37 foot rv there's two slide outs so it gives us a little bit more room i will tell you the good and the bad because there's obviously both right i when we were researching all this i saw all the good Everyone who does the RV life, they all talk about all the awesome things about it and don't discuss the things that are like, I did not expect this. Mm -hmm. So um, we had to, our old house was 3,000 square feet. We had to downsize to 300 square feet, you know? So that that took good six months. I'm glad the house took a little while to sell because that took a really long time because I'm not the type of person super attached to things. I've always said I could leave my I could leave my house with all my children and never come back to the things that are in it. I'm just not emotionally attached to things. I don't know if that's just a weird thing about me. It's just a little quirk. I've just never had that, you know? It's just stuff to me in my mm-hmm. eyes, stuff that can be bought again, you know? And so that part was easy. But when I got down to we had a closet full of memory stuff. When I got down to that and just the recent stuff that happened with Josiah broke me going through these things because now I had an attachment. Now I'm like, this was pre-Josiah's diagnosis. This was post-Josiah's diagnosis. This was him normal. And like, you have to not think like that. Like this was him before what he is now. And normal looks different for everyone. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really believe in the word normal. I'm not normal. I am very weird and crazy. And I love that, you know? Mm-hmm. But like when we think of when we go through a really hard time, I mean, there's before Christ, after Christ, you know? And if you base your life on that kind of thing, it's like all of us have that thing we can think back on and say, this was before that happened, after that happened, before I got married, after I got married, before I had babies, after I had babies. Like right, yeah. every time there's a big transition in your life, you think of those, you, you compile it in your mind in memories and say, this was before this, this was after this. So going through all of our memory boxes and things like that, I'm like, this was before 
the crash. You know, this was before the the darkness that came before us, and and so that was really difficult because right now I, we were not getting storage. Okay, I'm gonna cut in right here. We were having so much fun talking with Cassie and we just kept talking and talking. So we decided that we needed um, a part two. So we continued to ask her more questions about the RV and that life that they have going on right now. And we are going to have that in a second part episode next week. So we really hope that you tune in then to hear the rest. So before that, August has a very important question to ask. There's a question that we always ask our guests, and that is, what's good about today? So what's good about today for you? That's a good question. Lots. Everything is good about today. Honestly, if I'm just going to be real in me, I'm, it's, I don't know what else to say other than everything. I mean, I'm alive and breathing. It's sunny outside. My kids are all doing well. Um... We're in our RV and we're moving soon. Our, we're going to Tennessee um, first, so that's exciting. And I just, love Tennessee. It's one I'm, of my favorite places. I've never been. I'm so excited. I can't wait. <laughs> um, but it just, I just love life, you know. God, Jesus is, is life, and just everything's good. I can't think of anything I could really say that. I mean, obviously, there's the hard stuff, but. I just want to focus on how awesome God is and life is. It's all good. <laughs>